hits every playlist tells a story. I'm Todd. This is Jimmy. We're back for another week of goodness. Before we get started, quick reminders, all the songs that I can put on the Spotify playlist, I will. If not, there'll be a link in the details on how to get to it to hear it. Also got the show update stuff on the socials, the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And of course, rate, subscribe, comment, tell your friends. Please comment. You got some comments. We had, we had a good week this week. Yeah, I put up a couple of posts. One of them was the, uh, I did put up the Led Zeppelin bracket in an individual post so people can play along and see where we're at with it. Got a comment on that. My man, JR the Handler from the uh, Justin Moore podcast said, uh, it makes him want to eat some acid and watch Wizard of Oz, to which I replied, I wouldn't stop him. You wouldn't stop. Him, huh? we, I just said we will, we won't stop you. Well, Wizard of Oz, that's the that's, one. That's I think that's the Pink Floyd thing. That's the Pink Floyd. The thing. Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. But man, on Jr. He could have his own thing going that we just don't know about. So I'm not I'm not taking anything from him. Hmm. I've always known about the Dark Side of the Moon and Wizard of Oz, but yeah, maybe you put some acid in the mix. Tangerine fits in there somewhere. Maybe I'm sure. yeah. So again, I ain't taking it from him. There's plenty of Zeppelin songs that would probably fit in nicely. So. Yeah, physical graffiti. I bet that you can make that work. Oh, somehow. yeah. Oh, yeah. I bet there's a way. Put up another post with a meme. It uh, read, what song intro will make you immediately immediately turn up the volume? Again, my man JR coming back strong right away with the Bob Seger rambling gambling man. <laughs> Solid <laughs> selection, man. I pulled it up. I was like, you know what, man? That, that's a, that song will put a swing in your step. Oh, it's, yeah. You get up and dance immediately. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Even Bob Seger. In the live version, he's just like, he's telling everybody, get up, basically, yeah. right? Yeah. Powder, the Fancy Pigeon, suggested the uh, Every Playlist Tells a Story theme song. Makes him want to turn up the volume. I told you, man. Yeah. I told you. Yeah. He, he, Todd sent me. And my response was just, you know, when you hear that theme, you know it's go time. It is go time. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's like, how did I describe it? Bob Seger's Night Moves. Making love to ACDC's TNT sounds right. Yeah, I think that's what I how yeah. I, I, that's what I heard when I first heard it. Okay, we had a response from Tom Bonker, good buddy Thomas. He replied with "Kickstart My Heart." I'm assuming the Motley Crue "Kickstart My Heart," to which I just immediately res- responded with "Oh yeah," just because I heard it from the song. See, the problem I have is I always think I'm hearing. Uh, the Montrose song, the Sammy Hagar oh, song. Bad Motor Scooter? Bad Motor Scooter. Right. Because it's, it's... Worthy of turning up too, man. Yeah. That's a good one. I, I got my issues with that whole album. Okay. And that's mm-hmm. one of them. It's like, you know, don't don't take from uh, Ronnie Montrose, you okay. know? Right. Mick, Mars. But it, it fits that song perfectly, though. I, I hope Ronnie got paid something. Oh, sure, yeah. Broken Buttons Zero comes in heavy with the L7 track Wargasm. Which I had to look up because I hadn't heard it for years, <laughs> right. but I looked it up and hit play, and as soon as it started playing, I was like, shit, yeah. This is one you, yeah, you turn that right up. <laughs> what what about you? Do you have a song that, and, and there's probably a million of them, but does anything come to mind? What, the, what, what was I playing when I pulled up to your, uh, pulled up Nazareth, Hair of the Dog. Nazareth, Hair of the Dog. Right. As soon as you hear that cowbell yeah. kicking, I mean, yeah, I crank it up every time. There you go. Never get tired of it. In fact... I always think of a story uh, my brother-in-law told me. There's a small town in southwest rural. There's a county north of us called Gibson County. It's farmland. Right. Uh, It's known. This portion of that county is known for its watermelons. 
lots of watermelon fields. And in the middle of all those watermelon fields is this little country, rural town, not very big, called Johnson, Indiana. Now, I have a, my niece has a son that was born and raised in Johnson. And there was always a joke, he's going to come back and be mayor of Johnson. Now, this see, this little town is not even a mile wide. I said, you know, when when it's, camp, when it's campaign time, all he's got to do is drive his little F-150 real slow through town and just crank up Hair of the Dog right. by Nazareth. And my brother-in-law said, they'll be like carp, man. They'll, they'll just be <laughs> jumping in the bed, jumping in the back of the truck like carp. Oh, <laughs> I always think of that when I crank it. That's nice. So I got to thinking about it and went through my playlist and was digging for a song, one of the many that when I hear I automatically turn up. And I came up with the uh, airborne hit, Stand Up for Rock and Roll. Hell of an intro. Rock and intro on a guitar play on it. About a minute in, kicks in with the song. Doesn't even really need that intro, but it's in there. That's introducing the whole album. Yeah, that's introducing the whole album. Kind of, you know, kind of reminds me of another great song from Led Zeppelin. It was um, uh, Song Remains the Same. The, the intro on that song. Yeah. The rest of the song I really could care less about, but that intro was a strong, strong, very strong. As far as Airborne goes, I know we haven't talked about them yet, but man, they're one of those bands that I remember walking into the record store and just going, I just need something new. I don't know what I, I don't know what I want. I have nothing in mind. And uh, our buddy Joe suggested, he's like, man, if you like ACDC, this is a record. And he went wrong. It's a great record. I've done that to Joe. Yeah. Uh, if we're talking about the same guy. Yeah. I've, I've done that to him too. And I, <laughs> Well, oh my God! What, what did he? Uh, what did he turn you on to? Oh, what was it? It was kind of like it was a band from Europe that had uh, it, Joe turned me on to this band called Lordy. It's probably oh God, it's been over fifteen years ago. Yeah, easy. I remember you were heavy into them. Oh, that they had this song called Hard Rock Hallelujah. If you're looking for something just phenomenal that will be on your playlist, that's Hard Rock. Look up Lordy Hard Rock Hallelujah. Great song. <laughs> Lordy. Hey, I got to thank Joe for it. You know, I would never have known about Lordy without him. That's all I got. I just, I, I was happy about responses and getting some responses to posts. And if, uh, if you're listening to this and you've not seen the post, go dig it up. And you got something makes you want to turn it up. Go ahead and comment. Please. Please do. That's all. That's all I got for beginning jibber jabber okay well you know we were talking led zeppelin and we were in the middle of a led zeppelin bracket we have done the round of 64 the round of 32 and we're down to sweet 16 heading toward the elite eight yep so you've had time to like you know burn some incense and you know think deeply and reflect you know on your decision making and now we're ready to push on here to the elite eight Todd, are you ready? I think I'm ready. Okay, so we're in the Stairway to Heaven bracket. We got top seed Stairway to Heaven going up against the four seed, Since I've Been Loving You. Todd, who moves on? This is the upset. You've had many upsets. So don't, uh, yeah, there's no shockers but, but, anymore. But this is the one, this is the one where Stairway to Heaven falls. Are you serious? Since yeah. I've Been Loving You is the Man. one that kills the, puts oh, the dagger in the back oh, of Stairway. I love that freaking song. Uh, it, it's something about there's something in going back and listening to it. There's something about that kick drum in that song that just 
hypnotizes me, just pulls me in. There's And there's even like a, I, I don't know if I'm imagining it, but there's like just like a little, it's like the pedal hasn't been properly oiled. There's like a little squeak in it. You can almost kind of hear a squeak with the kick drum. I do anyway. No, I've I don't never know. listened for it either. Though. And it's just such a, a minute detail, but I heard it one time and I can't not hear it, but I just, oh, I love that song. That song's so powerful. Well, the bass is like, the way they mix that song, like my old, you know, when I was I had my 78 Blazer, 79 right. oh, Blazer, yeah. Yeah. I had these box speakers because yeah. there's no, like, speakers except in the doors, which right, yeah. they didn't work anymore. But, um, you know, I put these box speakers in, and the bass on that song is just so oh, heavy yeah. that yeah. I have to turn the volume down because it's going to blow, out, blow out my woofer. You get scared. I don't get scared. Well, I get scared my woofer's blowing right, out. Yeah. I have to get new speakers, you yeah. know. I just, uh, yeah. Since I've been loving you, it's just such a just a great, great song for me. Man, but taking out stairway. It takes out stairway. I know that's a hell of a sword. Yeah, I know. Okay, moving on. We got um, we're still in stairway to heaven bracket uh, number three. No quarter going up against diaper dandy here. I don't know diaper dandy, but the fifteen seed friends of Led Zeppelin three. This one I struggled. I had an answer and then took a couple of days and then went back and listened to it again and just kind of. Reevaluated my selections and uh, that's good. I questioned myself on this one, but I ended up going with no quarter. Still and no quarter. Friends is it's a great acoustic thing, but there's a, a ton of those acoustic groove songs Zeppelin has. So I didn't feel bad letting this one go. No quarter. It's just that badass guitar groove, and again, just that song just feels like a floaty dream to me. Yeah, John Paul Jones is yeah, you know, laying it down on the keys. Yeah. I bet that would be a good one for Wizard of Oz. For what? Wizard of Oz. Oh, you know, JR's probably got that on his list. All right, moving on. We've got No Quarter, and since I've been loving you, heading toward the final four. We're going on the Cashmere bracket. we got top seed Cashmere going up against 13 seed Hey, Hey, What Can I Do? I go, Hey, Hey, What Can I Do? Another upset. Another upset. Another number you one know, falls. And, and the more I listen, like when we started this and I listened to that Cashmere, I remembered the song, but it seems like the more I listen to it, um, you remember when, was it P. Diddy, Puff Daddy did that version of it for I've, Godzilla? I've tried hard to forget yeah, that one. That one, every time, like the last couple of times I've listened to it going through the bracket, it's like that Puff Daddy thing kind of sneaks in my head a little bit. So Come with me. Yeah, no, no fault of Led Zeppelin, but that's how Cashmere falls is P Diddy. Yeah, because P Diddy did what he did. That's sad. And again, hey, is it another one of those acoustic jams that I was talking about earlier? I mean, it's just, it's, I love it. It's perfect. That song's perfect. I love how it um, ends ends with the, all the vocal tracks going. Uh, Robert Plant just there's not <laughs> there's no other voice like it. No, huh? 1970s Robert Plant. Yep. All right, next game we got. 14th seed black country woman taking on two seed rock and roll. Easy money, rock and roll. Rock and roll is going strong, man. Yeah. Killing all, everybody in their path. Yep. Okay. Well, we don't need to talk much about rock and roll. It's well known to is what it track is. there. Moving on to the whole lot of love bracket. We got eight seed Gallows Poe taking on fourth seed Over the Hills and Far Away. Gallows Poe. No kidding? Yeah. I, I I dig wow. it, and the more I listen to it, the more it occurs to me that when I'm hearing it, it feels like watching an old western. Listening to the story, 
Oh yeah, it's definitely got that theme. He's he's waiting for somebody coming. Yeah, come over the horizon. And, and, and I'll tell you, one of the things I, I kind of remembered is this is a song that until didn't Page and Plant do that No Quarter live record? Yeah, years years after Zeppelin. Yeah, mid nineties. And there. the version on that record is the one that got me. That's okay. the one that turned me onto this song. And and ever since, it's like okay, yeah, I get it. Yeah, that's a great song. These are all great songs. Yeah, man. oh yeah, can't fault you for that. All right, next uh, game we got number 11, Bring It On Home versus the Temp Seed. How many more times? Number one versus two. That walking baseline, man, how many more times? How many more times yeah. takes it? Yep. Interesting. I, I didn't picture these songs being there, but okay. So Gallows Poe and how many more times fighting to win that bracket? Final bracket here. We got the Days of Confused bracket. We got top seed Days of Confused going up against the 13th seed. Your time is going to come. Yeah, Days of Confused. Days moving on. Yeah. No so, real good reason. Just for me, it's a better song. It's top seed for a reason. Yeah. Okay. And then it's a Days of Confused com- opponent will be either the three seed Heartbreaker slash Living Love and Made or the two seed. Immigrant song. Immigrant song's just way too epic. Immigrant song. Yeah. Oh, this um, uh, this bracket here is following chalk. You got the one in the two seed going at it in yeah. this bracket. Days yeah. confused versus immigrant song. All right. So that gets us down to eight. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're eight. Now then we're, four. Then championship. Now we're getting yeah. into it. Okay. So surviving the final eight. We got since I've been loving you. We got no quarter. We got Hey, Hey, What Can I Do versus uh, Rock and Roll. We've got Gallows Pole taking on How Many More Times. In the final bracket, we got Days, number one, Days Getting Confused versus number two, Immigrant Song. Doesn't get any easier, man. It don't get any easier. Okay. Uh, All right. We'll, weekly we'll, struggle for me. Next week, we'll hear the final four. We're done for this week. And then, like I said, I put the pictures of the grid up there. Maybe you can send me an updated grid, and I'll uh, sure be able to, because last time I had to break it off into like four pictures or something to get it to look right and fit. So maybe I'll be able to do it in just one this time. Yeah, well, uh, you could probably, I'll tighten it down where you can just eliminate that first round. Okay, cool. And just focus on the, the breadwinners. There we go. I think uh, you're top of the inning this week. Let's get into it. So my song this week that I've chosen, I actually chose the story before I chose the song. And this is a story that's not, doesn't involve me, but it's a story that I've been fascinated with for years. Even, I mean, back to the 90s even. And I don't know why this story fascinates me so much, but every time I hear something about this, it it spurs my interest again. And I've listened to a bunch of podcasts, I've watched a bunch of movies. There was I even I, th- I think what brought it up again this time to make me think about doing something with it on this episode is there was some story about some kid in Louisiana, I guess, that burned down a church and then said he did it all for the name of he was in some death metal band in his garage or some shit. I'm not really sure what the story was, but it was funny to me because you know he was. The whole, the whole front end of the story was, you know, he was this hardcore kid and he was just being badass and then he gets caught and has to go to court over it and, you know, I'm sorry I did this. And, you know, he, he backs down off the, the shit talking pretty hot. So 
I go back to the Norwegian church burnings of the 90s on this week's episode. Okay, yeah. I, I mean, that's a hell of a story in itself. It's, and it's so crazy. Everything that goes on in kind of this era of what led up to it and what happened from it. And again, I don't know why I'm so fascinated by it, but it's... Because they didn't back down. Yeah, they didn't back down. It, it was there for real. It they was, believed what they were doing. It was... Cra- it's craziness, and it's... And even going back and looking at kind of the notes I made on it, and I'm going to I'm gonna go as quick as I can over it because there's a bunch of stuff. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff going on. It doesn't seem re- – I mean, it seems like this was written for a movie or something. It doesn't seem real, the stuff that's going on. It's craziness. Uh, it's a different reality. It's, a, it's definitely a different reality. So episode 41, we talked about uh, kind of – you talked about the J.R. Tolkien influence on metal bands and – Big time. There's a little bit of that sprinkled in here. Uh, that kind of that kind of helped me with that. Okay. And the song I picked, and I'll circle back to it, but the song I picked is by a band called Mayhem. The song is called Death Crush. It came out in 1987. Uh, but and and I don't know if it's because I've watched so many documentaries or movies or listened to so much that for some reason this song just kind of sticks in my head. Is this. This seems like it would be a good song to explain the story I'm about to kind of tell. Is this your introduction to death metal? Yeah, I'm not in a big death. I mean, I've had some Celtic, or is it Celtic or Celtic, Celtic. Frost? I've had yeah. some Celtic Frost records in the past, and it's some of it's okay, some of it's just not my thing. I mean, just thinking back to it, when Pantera Cowboys from Hell came out, not a fan of that record. It's too heavy for me. Really? But then over the years, I just kind of came to love it. And I think it's one of the greatest records of all time now. So who knows, five years from now, I may be deep into the death metal scene. I don't know. I doubt it. (laughs) Please start wearing that black and white paint. Yes, the corpse paint. Yep. And then the uh, the other note I wanted to make on this is I have condensed a bunch of information. And I hope I'm getting all of it correct. But again, this is kind of my interpretation of everything I've watched, everything I've seen, everything I've heard, everything I've read. You know, since the '90s, it's just kind of a conglomerate of this is this is how I understand. Listeners, this Todd story. is if Todd's wrong about any of his death metal facts. Let please me know. correct him. Please correct me. I, I'm interested in knowing because again, this fascinates me. I want to I want to get this right. So again, I listen to a ton of podcasts about this particular topic. Read a bunch of articles, watched a bunch of movies. I'll I'll credit all of them here in a moment. Um, and and like I said, I'm not really a fan of this genre. This whole Norwegian death metal thing never it never really clicked with me. I don't know. But you listen to it. I have listened to it, yeah. But it's it's not... It's, it's on your playlist. No. there's. I don't know that I have anything on a playlist from a Norwegian death metal band. You know the name is podcast. I do. So what? Why and, are and we again, talking about this? I mean, just mentioning the, the Pantera thing. I mean, this particular <laughs> song has kind of creeped in my head. I mean, after doing all the research I did and looking into stuff, it's like when I sat down to figure out what song would be the one... This song will probably end up on a playlist of mine. I'm not sure which one yet. Probably not cooking or chores. Maybe a driving through the middle of the night playlist or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> it's just, it's it's a, it's a way different sound. But, it, it'll wake you up. Yeah. But this, this one's more about the story than it is the playlist. Okay. All right. So again, most of these bands are not my thing, just listening through some of them. But there are some interesting arrangements on some of the songs. Uh, 
other stuff <laughs> is, really. is just chaos, which I'm pretty sure is the intent. I mean, I, I'm just impressed by the the crash symbols, a constant crashing of symbols. That it, it's hard to believe that that's one drummer doing that. That dude's hitting hard, man. They got to be set up like the Doobie Brothers, where they got two drummers. I don't believe so. I believe. I, I would almost venture to say a lot of this stuff could have even been recorded in somebody's basement. I think there's one drummer keeping the beat, and there's one, like another drummer, that has no drums. He just has cymbals. And he's just constantly like a monkey. <laughs> right. He's constantly just hitting cymbals like like, like a, you know, a mad gorilla. Well, it could be. It could be. But my understanding of the lineup of these bands is no, it's not the case. Okay. One, right. one guy just carrying it, just flailing chaotically. That's for sure. In rhythm. Some of the, the references I've got here, I've watched a couple of movies. One of them was called Until the Light Takes Us Away. It was on Amazon, about an hour and a half long. I watched this. The first time I watched it, I was traveling. I was in a hotel room in, I think, South Carolina. And pulled it up and watched it one night about midnight. And I don't recommend it. This is definitely a daytime viewing it, there's just there's a lot of stuff around the story. It's just dark and spooky. Gets under your skin. Gets huh? under your skin. Yeah, I, I had to stop watching it. So the second time I watched it to really pay attention to it, I made sure it was nice and pretty outside. Sun was up, mid afternoon kind of thing. There's also a, another movie called Lords of Chaos, which is basically the Hollywood version of the story. The beginning of it, it's, there's a little disclaimer. It says it's based on the truth, lies, and what actually happened. This movie itself is a bit heavy, but not as heavy as the, the documentary Until the Light Takes Us Away. It's a good watch if you're interested in this topic. After watching all of that dark, dreary, scary stuff, I, uh, I'm i going to recommend a, a movie called Heavy Trip. I think it was on Netflix. <laughs> I think I suggested it to you. Oh, yes. Uh, kind of uh, a lighthearted comedy. Yes, uh, definitely. The, the downside of it is it is subtitled. But uh, it was a fun watch. It was a good palate cleanse after all the heavy stuff. And yeah, it's not it's not in English at all. You do need the I caption. I think there's a little bit of English in there. Yeah, but you got to do the caption thing. Because the movie doesn't come with it, does it? No, I had to turn the captions yeah, on. Yeah, you have to turn the captions on and just follow it. But I'm telling you, I, you may not like foreign films, but this one, <laughs> even if you don't, if if you like Spinal Tap, this is yeah. Spinal Tap, you'll, you'll love this. Yeah, Heavy Trip is a good one. Yeah. Uh, and if you're a fan of... Uh, Symphonic, post-apocalyptic, reindeer-grinding, Christ-abusing, extreme, pagan, scondic metal. I would say this this movie's probably right right up your alley. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it caters to that market. Yeah, definitely. Podcast-wise, there's a podcast called Last Podcast on the Left. It's on Spotify. They did a three-part series of this that I absolutely adored. I uh, wish they would have done more. One thing I will say about these guys, you know, Jimmy does great voices. Jimmy does great singing on our podcast here. These guys, these guys do some of that too. They make it very entertaining to listen along. Are to. they supernatural? Is that their main topic? <sighs> They're kind of all over the place. It I've, seems like I've, I've watched, heard all kinds of stuff. I've watched the Travel Channel, like those ghosts. It's just right, yeah. it's a ghost channel, really. But yeah, seems like they were always asking these so called experts, right? Seems like I'd seen that, like when you know when they bring up the title of who they're talking to right. or who's giving their opinion. They, they could be. That I don't know. They talked about some of that stuff. They they've talked about a wide variety of things. Okay, but but, but this three part series on the Norwegian death metal, three part series, three, uh, three yeah, three hours. Now is it about the topic of metal or is it? About it's the... about it's kind of all the stuff I'm talking about. Okay, but they all go right. into a little more detail and things and. So last podcast on the left, uh, also episode 178 of My Favorite Murder. I think Karen talks about 
this topic. There's a podcast called Disgraceland that was great. And there's a ton of other ones out there. I think a lot of people have kind of covered this topic. So like I said, I've I've done a lot of listening, done a lot of watching, done a lot of reading, and tried to condense this, as I understand it, to as quick as possible. So to kind of to dive in a little bit here, historically, black metal or death metal has two points of origin, Florida and Norway. <laughs> right. Right, yeah. So yeah. Norway, for Seabaring, obviously, uh, the Norwegian. Areas. Yeah. And then Florida, I don't know why Florida, but, you know, I think Cannibal Corpse comes out of Florida. I think the band. There's a lot of goth down there. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it's just the oppressive heat. They, they wanted to call it the goth of Mexico. It got so bad. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. The other note I've got here, <laughs> uh, the other note I've got here is with this particular scene, nobody seems to use, they've all got stage names, which again, fascinates me. So uh, some of the members, uh, some of the members' names I've got written down here, which are just some of them are brutal. You got a dude named Fenris, a bath. How you spell that? A B B A T H. Okay. You got uh, looks like Demonaz. Got a dude named Faust, not to be confused with the guy named Frost. And then kind of the the characters of, of the little tale I'm going to tell here. You got a, a dude named Euronymous, which stands, which I guess is the translation to Prince of Death. He's in the, the band Mayhem. This is Finland. Uh, this is Norway. Norway, sorry. Jesus Christ. Fin- I'm thinking of Death Finland. Trip. Death Trip, they were from Finland. Yeah, there's like a Swedish metal Because they, 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 they had to cross the border in the movie, remember? Oh, that yeah, That big, yeah, yeah. ridiculous scene with right, the security. Yep. yep. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Got confused. Okay. So you got Euronymous, who's a uh, translation Prince of Death. He's in Mayhem. Uh, also in the band Mayhem, you got a, a gentleman that goes by the name Necro Butcher and Hellhammer. <laughs> I think Hellhammer's the drummer, too. Okay. Gotcha. I think. I'm not, again, I may be incorrect, but. It, it wouldn't make sense to be on keyboards. Right, exactly. You got a gentleman that goes by the name Dead, who's in Mayhem for a while. And then maybe my favorite is, uh, and, and then for whatever reason, I wrote this guy's real name down. It's Varg Vikernis. He goes by uh, Grishnak. Which was updated at some point to Count Grishnak. It's like it was a vampire horseshack. It comes from, I'll get into it in a minute. It comes from the whole Tolkien thing. Oh, okay. So I don't know if his name does, but I think his band name does. And there's Demonaz? D E M O N A Z. A Z, okay. Demonaz. Demonaz. Yeah. And just as kind of a fun exercise, I, I went ahead and did the English Nor- to Norwegian translation in Google. And if I could be pref- referred to as Prince Yavla, which uh, would translate to Prince Fuckwad. Yab. Yavla. Yavla. How do yep. you spell that? J-A-E-V-L-A. But uh, I typed it, I went ahead and typed in the pronunciation key because I knew it wouldn't get it right. You know, my, my wife's got a cricket. You know, we could make a t-shirt. That'd be sweet. And would you want? You have to think of like a caricature, maybe. I'll I'll work on. Or you just want the name? I'll work on something. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we get that cricket thing. Jumping into the look of these guys, you you touched on it a bit ago, but one of the podcasts I listened to said uh, I think defined it perfectly. They look like human marshmallows with eyes, with that corpse paint, the the white face, and then the black kind of highlight around the eyes and the mouth and well, stuff. Well, after they've been taken out of the campfire. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 They look po- a little... Post-campfire marshmallows. Yeah, a little, little roasted. A little crispy. Yeah. And then the band logos, some of the earlier bands aren't too bad, but it seems like as as time has evolved, 
with the band name stuff, a lot of the logos I see today, you can't even make sense of what it is. It just looks like a bunch of plant roots kind of grown together. And there's, I, I like this songs. Um, it what was it? It was it uh, Nicholas Cage and American Treasure. Like you could look at something one a word one way and turn it around. Right, it's completely something different. Yeah, it's kind of had the there's their little there's a name for it, but they had bat wings on one side and up down up and black crosses on the yep. on the upside yep. upside downside yeah and and going back to that uh the lords of chaos movie i think there was a scene where the band's driving a van and on the front of the van is that mayhem logo but it's okay. it's like in painter's tape or something on there <laughs> right as far as the music and the sound goes if american metal at the time and we're talking the 90s so if american metal at the time was seen as evil these guys are next level this is satanic panic era everything was the devil even if it wasn't for these norwegian guys the death metal music was a rebellion against normal song structure listening to some of these songs they're they're cold they're lo-fi there's a terrible eerie sounding guitar a lot of screaming for vocals and even the production on the song was quote-unquote a revolution they used poor production poor gear count grishnak i think called it corpse sound so they had the corpse paint on their face. They recorded using the corpse sound. Everything was about the corpse. Ambigram. 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 Except this is more symbolic. There's, yeah. So it's probably a different word for it. Probably. But I was kind of thinking along that lines. Gotcha. First wave of this Norwegian death metal, you got a band called Venom. They're the ones that kind of coined the term black metal. They did it for theatrics. Everything I read said they really didn't take it that seriously. And then back to the names, it just, I found this funny. You got a guy named, you know, the band members go by the name Kronos, Martus, and Avatar. But in real life, it was Jeff, Tony, and Conrad. Of course. So, but, you know, I guess to, to play into the whole heaviness of it, you got to come yeah, up with badass that's, names. That's theme. That's yep. a, having your regular name. Getting to the band Mayhem, formed in 1984. They had a demo that was titled Pure Fucking Armageddon. I'm, acu- I'm, I'm assuming it wasn't an acoustic thing. Uh, pretty heavy there. <laughs> <laughs> they had a record in uh, 1987 called Death Metal Crush, which the song Death Me- or Death Crush is on. From what I read, it looked like they only played like a handful of live shows in those early days. And I mean, their reputation is one of those kind of things that precedes them. I think that like five or six shows. But the people that talk about those shows talk about those shows as being epic. I think there was a lot of, uh, oh, if I remember right, pigs heads on stage and people cutting themselves and doing silly shit like that a lot of theatrics a lot of doom and gloom stuff it seems like since in in the last i don't know how many handful of years they've there's more live shows based on the amount of live records i see kind of on the playlist so and then you got other bands you know king diamond the great king diamond and band called bathory and and a bunch of other bands are kind of part of that second wave of it and just to go off topic here, if if that whole black metal kind of look is your thing, I stumbled across something on Twitter called Black Metal Cats. It's uh it's pretty it's basically these cats with kind of scowls on their face, if you will, or in in certain situations and just like death metal lyrics. It's been a fun little look, so I'll <laughs> right. I'll put a couple examples up. And then even more related to that is you remember that old Meow Mix commercial? Of course. Yeah. I've stumbled across a metal version of that Meow Mix song. Obviously not with a cat voice. Oh, uh, no, it's a guy singing it. I no. think it's a guy singing it. I don't know. But I'll go ahead and put that on the playlist, too, because it's, it's a fun little listen. 
So we'll get back to Norway here. Origins of black metal. What I found is based in cultural roots of Norse mythology. There was some legend on one of the things talked about something called the Wild Hunt. Harbingers of doom that were essentially a gang of dead souls dressed as ghosts led by Vodin would swoop down, steal people, destroy roofs, clog chimneys, nail doors shut, general mischief type shit. The reason for this is they were seen to be punishing these people for not following the old, old Norse ways. So they took their Norse, Norse mythology seriously. Like a kind of a St. Michael, if it was Christianity or... Not familiar with St. Michael all that much, but... He's a yeah. God's number one hitman, okay. angel, you know, he's a... Get off the path, Michael comes to straight. He, he's the muscle. Okay. He's the muscle. Gotcha, gotcha. Let's jump a little bit here to the band Mayhem. So I got I talked about Euronymous earlier. He's kind of the guy that in my head, he's the one that kind of had this vision and went for it. He's the one that started the Mayhem band, and he eventually becomes kind of the central figure in this whole scene. Now, he's got this band Mayhem. They've had a couple of vocalists. Some guy across the way that goes by dead decides he wants to sing for this band. He's heard the demo or something. He's He's got to be involved. So he pens a letter to the band and, hey, I want to sing for you or whatever it says. And and as I can only imagine or speculate that you know, he gets to the end of the letter and he's trying to figure out just how many exclamation marks to put to really prove his point. But in the end, he decides that exclamation points won't do it. So included in the letter to the band, he includes a crucified mouse to basically say how, how hardcore he is. A crucified So he takes a mouse, mouse, crucifies it, pins it to a cross, whatever, includes it with this letter to the band that says, hey, I want to be the singer of your band. So he had to use a box. To I guess. Deliver. Yeah. Or one of those big envelopes. But how do you say no to that? How can you say I, no yeah, to that? That's, dude's hardcore, man. So this this dude named, and again, I don't have his real name written down, but I'm just going to call him Dead because that's what his name was. Turns out he's an extremely depressed gentleman, believed he was already dead, which looking it up, there's something called Kotar delusion or walking corpse syndrome. Well, walking dead. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, he, he kind of had in his head, he's already dead. So zombie. He I, From what I understand, he felt like he died as a child and was just kind of going through this life not really alive as a walking corpse i guess yeah interesting so uh to emphasize that that feeling of things get ready for a show this dude buries his clothes digs them up on the day of so they're all dirty and like he you know, just come out of the grave or whatever and even more interesting to me he carried around a dead crow in a bag to sniff before shows to get the stench of death in his nostrils i wonder what you know when he goes and gets ice cream what his reaction is I don't, yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, is he still around? No, he's he's dead. I'll get into he's that. He's really dead now. He, dead's really dead. Okay. Yeah. Did he bury himself? In a way. Okay. Yeah, I'll All go right. into that. Okay. And and again, say what you will, but that's that sort of devotion. You don't see that in today's bands. Devotion, is that what you call it? I'm calling it devotion. That, okay. dude, that dude was, he did things for his craft. His craft. Yep, that's what I'm going to call it. <laughs> yep. Okay. And uh, Dead is also credited with the creating the whole corpse paint image, the marshmallow thing we talked about earlier. He's he's the one that supposedly is that kind of came up with that whole face paint thing. Fast forward, night, April eighth, nineteen ninety one. Dead and Euronymous are sharing a house somewhere. Dead ends up killing himself, and I saw something that said I think it was Count Grishnak was talking about it, but 
Dead wrote him a letter at some point saying he had the shotgun but didn't have any shells. And so I get supposedly... The count hooked him the, up? The count sent him a, a shotgun shell, which may be the shotgun shell he used to, to take his own life. I'm not really for sure. That whole... But the count didn't know... No, I don't think the count knew that that's what he was looking for a shell for. I think it was just a correspondence of, I've got the shotgun, but I don't have any shells. Because I think these guys are kind of... They live out in the woods, and they're running around shooting guns and... Yeah. Country folk. Country folk. Gotcha. So, April 8th, 1991, Dead kills himself. It's pretty graphic in some of the movies I've watched, too. The the Lords of Chaos, it's a graphic scene. They talk about it a little bit in the uh, Until the Light Takes Us Away movie, but it's it's tough watch, man. It's a tough watch. They don't show the body, do they? Well, interesting you ask. So, Lord. Dead takes his own life, mm-hmm. leaves a note, says, uh, you know, quote, unquote, among other things, excuse the blood, and then lyrics to some song that I think was called uh, Life Eternal. Euronymous comes home, sees his roommate, singer of his band, has committed suicide, done a bunch of cutting and shotgun and all that mess. Mm-hmm. Runs out and gets a disposable camera, comes back and takes pictures. That's his first reaction. That's his first reaction, which is craziness. That becomes the album cover. Funny you say that. There's no a there's a mayhem album cover, uh, Dawn of the Black Hearts, that uses a picture. That's so predictable. Yeah. Yep. And I think there's a story that he didn't mean to do it because I think it's like a bootleg, I guess. And supposedly the picture got stolen to use for the cover, but I think a lot of people call bullshit on that. Yeah. Do you imagine what the poor poor girl at CBS Photoshop was thinking when she saw that? I can't even imagine. And if that's not enough. The story goes that Euronymous also collected parts of the skull that made necklaces for people he deemed worthy. The only thing that gets me through this, I, I, I just have to tell myself, none of that's true. It was all just chicken bone. Well, CSI had to be called, right? I don't know if they had CSI in Norway back in the 90s. <laughs> Not really for sure. CSI Norway, wasn't that I, was the that, show? Was that the one that came on after New Orleans? Could have been. Could have been. Yeah, Could've you're been. right. What made me also feel a little bit better about it is... Uh, by all accounts, Necro Butcher was the only one that was really kind of bothered by it. So I think Necro Butcher was, what are you doing, man? Pictures and bone necklaces? The irony that Necro Butcher right. was the one. Necro Butcher, Necro Butcher is the uh, the voice of reason. <laughs> Thank God for Necro <laughs> but- Butcher. Amen. Fast forward a month uh, after Dead's death, Euronymous borrows a little money from his mom and dad, opens up a store, a record shop called Helvete, which uh, translates to hell. So basically he opens up the hell record shop. Gathering place or headquarters, if you will, for the black metal scene. Decor, as you can imagine, dark, candles, weapons, skulls, bones, etc. Shit like that. And a soda machine. And a soda pop machine, yeah. Started a record label for black metal bands called Death Like Silence. Had bands on it, like uh, band names Immortal, Mayhem was on it, of course. Dark Throne, Emperor, things like that. One thing that kind of made me laugh is uh, in that Lords of Chaos movie, there's a scene where they're in the record shop and, you know, the UPS guy or delivery guy shows up and he comes in and, you know, hey, is this death like silence? And and Euronymous is behind the counter. He goes, no, this is death like silence. And does it all heavy metal, which is badass, which (sighs) classic metal move. I loved it. (laughs) So he's got this headquarters, he's got this record shop. Basically, he creates this group called the Black Circle, which he was the leader. You basically have to impress this Euronymous cat to to get in the club. This is not the place you go in, you know, looking for the new Depeche Mode record. That wouldn't cut it. You'd have you'd have to know what your shit was, and you know, 
I think there was some, probably some conversational tests to make sure you were worthy. And this is actually where uh, Euronymous and the Count become friends. And I'll jump into the Count for a second here. Uh, he's the other kind of central role in this whole story. This dude's into role-playing games, Lord of the Rings shit. He's uh, more of a fan of the villains, not really down with the elves and the dwarves. And the only member of the band Burzum, which uh, the name comes from an inscription on, quote-unquote, the ring, which I think trans are supposed to translate into the word for darkness. And again, you know, he, he becomes Grishnak and then adds the Count later. And at some point, I don't even remember, and I don't even know why I threw this in, but he's the, he's the guy that kind of starts talking shit about other bands, as I understand it. So like the Swiss metal scene, mm-hmm. he's, he's referring to them as life metal, not death metal kind of giving them shit they're they're not as heavy as we are kind of thing so not making any friends no not at all not across the pond now as far as the rebellion of this whole thing there are some theories that the death metal scene was how the kids were basically rebelling because norway had become too nice kids just looking for a reason to be pissed off this group was obsessed with being evil authentic which led to the thinking that hanging out and just talking shit wasn't enough even though there's it's the one thing I get from this, and it's probably true with every little group, man, there's a lot of shit talking going on. Everybody's talking shit behind each other's back and talking shit about the Swiss metal scene and a lot of shit talking going on. Well, it's hard to take anybody seriously that hangs out of the hot topic all day. True. And there was even one reference, and unverified, but there was something said that there might have even been some homosexual stuff going on in the group. Just might be- have been some homosexual stuff. Just because it would be a slight on God. Is that what they thought? That's I, that's the reasoning. So, okay. Jump into the church burnings a little bit here. Fact I found about Norway is only two to three percent of Norway actually go to church, which I found interesting because this whole black circle thinking of well, it's because they burned them all down. Well, the, the, there's nowhere to go. To me, it's interesting because the whole belief in the devil and the evil stuff actually made these guys more religious than the rest of the country. Because if you believe in the devil, you got to believe in God. Correct. I, I just I found that an interesting note that such a small percentage of Norwegians go to church, but these guys probably believe more heavily in it than most of the country. So they took their shit serious. They worship Odin, right? Thor. Yeah, Norse, Norse mythology stuff. Yeah, yeah, that was the yep. Gotcha. The group also thought that Christianity had become weak and wasn't hard enough. They kind of wanted to go back to the good old days of torture, as as their Viking good forefathers did. Good old uh, days. Count Grishnak was credited with kicking off that line of thinking. And even though Euronymous was the leader, a lot of people kind of, he was just all talk. A lot of, you know, he wasn't really into doing much. He just wanted to talk shit about stuff. And Grishnak was the one that really kind of got stuff going. Well, it's cheaper that way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just to talk. Yeah. So, you know, Grishnak makes, you know, starts planning out his power move. And the church burnings seem to be what, what the move is. It sounds like it would be a lot of churches to pick from. You'd be surprised. If there's only two or three percent. Right. But I guess going back in history, I mean. I mean, it says they burn like 30-something churches. Hmm. Grishnak's thinking, you know, they when the Christians came to Norway, they burned all the history and the records and replaced it with Christianity, and it contaminated Norway's history, and they didn't respect the Norwegian culture, so why should they respect the Christian culture? That's kind of the, the thinking to get this whole revolution going. They did that everywhere, though. Yeah, exactly. So early in the 90s, basically, they start off with just kind of robbing some churches, cemeteries, and, of course, things escalate. June 6, 1992 is marked as the first church burning. It was a church that was 800 years old. 
and the cross of the church was believed to be built on a Norse worship altar. Suspected that Grishnak led the charge, as he believed, in the old gods, mythology type shit. And the date is important, June 6, 793. It is uh, the marking of one of the first Viking raids in history in Britain, where Vikings pillaged a monastery and killed monks. The June 6th date is significant in this whole realm of things. Okay. So June 6, 793 to June 6, 1992. Is that day you have a, like a holiday celebration? I don't. Nothing's popping up on my Google calendar. Okay. So. Eventually, over time, they ended up burning, like I said, 30-plus churches down, and nothing really seemed organized about it. It seemed like these guys would just be sitting around talking, and somebody would go, hey, let's go burn a church, and so they'd get up and do it. There was, It didn't seem like there were any big... There was one church that they planned on burning down, and I don't remember the name of it, but they ended up not doing it because they all get caught at some point. But for the most part, it seems like it's just all kind of spur-of-the-moment type shit, which is kind of frightening. There was no big plan here. No, no, uh-uh. And the other thing that, going back to the churches, some of these churches man, dated back to like 1150 AD. So these are old, old churches. Yeah, that's a shame. I know, yeah. I mean, if, if nothing else, just for the architectural beauty of these things. Well, the story, the history of your country or the town or whatever. Right, yeah. You know. So in these church burnings, two people died. One of them was a firefighter. Again, most of these were done at night, not a lot of pre-planning. One of the reasons for, I guess, making churches such a, another reason for making it a viable target is they have a large number of stave churches, which are basically churches made of wood, medieval structures, highly flammable, so it doesn't take much to, to get these things going. The group itself, you know, all these church burnings, they were, they were seeing it as taking back the land for their forefathers, kind of shock factor stuff in there. The churches, again, viewed as structures that erased their Norse mythology with Christian ideology, essentially erasing their culture. So they burn them down as revenge. And then the thinking was, if you burn them down, the, that message gets into the soil where the church stood. They thought it would make a lot of people open their eyes to see what was going on. They, I guess I guess they were hoping for a bandwagon thing, but I don't know that it ever, ever happened. Sort of like the Mansons. Yeah, but in the end, to me, it just seems like it was a... PR move, kind of branding, popularizing the bands on the label, help sell records and shit like that. So, Euronymous is the guy that's just doing all the talking shit. Greshnak is the guy making it happen. And I think at some point they get to a, I'm more evil than you argument. No, I'm more evil than you. Oh, yeah, we'll prove it. And so Greshnak ends up bringing Euronymous out on one of their outings and he ends up getting involved in it. And this Greshnak guy, he, he freaks me out a little bit. And there's a story I ran across that kind of, I don't know, man, it's, there was, I guess there's a, a band called Therion and the singer, his house caught on fire and Grishnak was suspected of doing it as he should be, as he should be. And, you know, of course there was a letter at the scene that said he'd be back, meaning Grishnak said he, saying he'd be back. And then there was another letter sent talking more shit and asking if the homeowner had found a match that he had left behind. and. Just a bunch of just dumb shit like that. Asking for it. Asking for it. But it turns out there's an 18-year-old girl who was responsible for the fire who said she did it for the count. She ended up doing two years in a mental institution for this. But to me, this is frightening because this is the mind control. You mentioned Manson. This is the mind control this dude has over people where people will do shit for him like that. That's more frightening to me than... That accounts like Charlie Manson. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, he's got his text. He's got his, uh, what was it, Squeaky? Was that her name? Squeaky From. Squeaky From. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Got his own little Manson thing happening. So all these church burnings are going on. I guess, again, my understanding of it is the Count's not really happy about they're not getting the, the attention for the church burnings they should be. So 
He ends up calling a reporter to talk about it, and the reporter evidently takes it as a confession. Euronymous, I think up front, was not cool with this. I think he gets a heads up that, hey, Grishnak's going to go talk to the media about all this stuff and try to get some publicity. Well, Euronymous is like, why? That's stupid. Don't draw attention to us. My understanding is the count. He wants that attention, man. This power, this power grab move, man. Yeah, they're not on the same page as far as uh, no. getting to that end, end game. Nope, they're not. So he goes and talks to his reporter, makes front page news, of course. He gets arrested based on details he's that hadn't been publicized and he talked about, which, of course, he comes back and says everything was misconstrued and a lot of lies, but there, there was some stuff that I guess he had kind of talked about that wasn't yeah i think there was one thing about a rabbit being on the front steps of the church that was never put out in the media but he talked about it so the police put two and two together and there you go he read out his uh family ratted himself out he read out his family i think he's the only one that got pinched on it man okay yeah that's 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 good yep so he gets arrested does a little time but basically the whole thing gives him a boost in the scene which is again i suspect exactly what he wanted so you know so this whole power grab move is is unfolding. Of course, the media labels the burnings as satanic, even though the count claims otherwise. It's good headlines. Does a whole lot of, you know, no, it's not about satanic stuff, but no one listens to him, of course, because he's a dumb kid. We're just big fans of Thor. That's right. Yeah, we're just doing it for the Vikings. And this, and again, I think some copycat burnings happen and people start marking stuff with satanic images or whatever. So the media kind of takes that and that whole, that's why I think what kind of helps turn the scene into a satanic thing. Well, and the kids read the headlines and are like, that's where they get the influence. That's right. Not so much from the source. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ain't this dude's already got some, some 18 year old girl burning down a house. What makes him think other people aren't going to listen to him? Yeah. Yeah. So that's something for the media right there. So, basically, after this interview, there's too much heat. Euronymous stars starting to fall. He's not paying out royalties to the bands on his label, which bars him. The Count's band is one of them. There was something about, in one of the things I watched, the Count was talking about how he needed to get that money because I guess he borrowed it from his mom and dad to pay for the record. His mom and dad paid for the record, and he owed him the money. So he was pissed because he's not getting royalties, and he owes his mom and dad money. So I don't know if they got him doing extra, major extra chores here. around the house or what. So. Major operation. Yeah. So the followers followers of this black circle thing are starting to see that Euro's full of shit. Some say there was talk in the group that the Count and Hellhammer were more dangerous than Euronymous. He starts spouting off, Euronymous starts spouting off that uh, the Count needed to die. Supposedly told some people how he would do it, some sort of kidnap torture plan. And of course, as things do, talk gets back to the Count. People talk. Euronymous talking shit, man. He's got a whole plan for you. Wow. Yeah. It's getting real WWE this is, this is, stuff this here. It's getting heavy stuff. Again, like Hogan versus Macho. Again, a lot of this, this whole story to me is just like, this can't possibly have really happened. I mean, it just seems made up. I mean, look at the names they pick. Hmm? At the end of the day, Euronymous, I think, was all about the music of the scene, and the count was all about the terrorism, is kind of what I took from it. So around August 1993, Euronymous sends a contract to the count for some new record he's putting out are putting together the count obviously is suspicious because he hasn't been paid for some of the previous records. And, uh, he gets word from a gentleman named Samoth from emperor that, you know, Hey, he's got this plan. He's going to torture you and kill you and all this shit. So, <laughs> so the count comes up, uh, counts in jail, right? No, he's, this is, he's out now. 
He's out. Now. He does the, the the whole Norway. Two jail. people died. The whole and he's Norway out jail. prison system is crazy. Okay. Yeah. Right. The count with a gentleman named Blackthorn decided to drive to Oslo overnight. You know, they get this contract, and I think the the intention was Euro mails the contract, sign it, and send it back to me. The count says bullshit. I'll just come over and do it in person. Again, no fear. Power. No, this dude's not scared of shit. He is the count. Yeah, exactly. And this is like, this isn't across town. This is like a several hour drive. So basically, he decides we're going to drive several hours. We're going to surprise Euronymous and deal with it head on, maybe get my royalties, all that shit. So there's some story too about before the count and this, uh, this Blackthorn, they, they, go rent a movie from a video store and then the count gives his ATM card to somebody and says, Hey, at two o'clock in the morning, go withdraw some money or some shit. I think they're setting up an alibi is what it feels like. Oh, so yeah. your is headed for trouble. So they go rent like, you know, Beverly Hills cop two that they've seen so that they, you know, if they get questioned about it, no, we were watching this movie here. We rented it and this is what it was about. And then he's got a buddy. He's got his ATM card He's supposed to take money out in the middle of the night to kind of prove he was nowhere near the crime scene. So somewhere between 3 and 4 a.m., as the story goes, there's a knock on the door of Euronymous's place. Of course, Euronymous and the Count are paranoid. The, the other dude stays in the car. So it's uh, the, the details of it are a little sketchy. So the driver's... Driver's paranoid. just sitting out in the car. All right, you know, so he this gets, is one-on-one. On one. He gets to wait here. I'm going to go deal with this. The Count is going so to So now you got Count and Euronymous. Okay. Head to head. Head to head. Three o'clock in the morning. King Kong and Godzilla here. Right. Okay. Yep. Lots of rumors, lots of hearsay. I think it, you know, escalates into some argument. Supposedly the Count confronts Euronymous and the fight breaks out. There's a accounts that Euronymous pulled a knife on the Count first, which I can only imagine when, when I see that is, I wonder if Grishnak kind of does that crocodile dundee. That's not a knife. Yeah. You know, pulls his own knife out. So, uh, sword, yeah, exactly. Name like the count, yep. As the story goes, Euronymous runs upstairs where supposedly the shotgun that the uh, dead used to kill himself is stored, uh, but not been confirmed. But the count catches up to him on the steps and just starts hacking away. It's it's a brutal, brutal murder. And uh, you're, you're on a pool of blood, you miss. This is new name, a pool of blood. You're on exactly. a pool of blood, exactly. You miss. Now, I'm gonna go sideways here for a second. In that last podcast on the left, there's a reimagination of this whole thing written from the standpoint. I think they found this on the internet, but it's written from the standpoint of some sort of homoerotic fan fiction. And it is ridiculous. I, I had to pull over when I was listening to it because I was laughing and crying so hard. It's, what, they're, they're like boyfriends? It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's basically taken this whole confrontation and I don't know where they found it. I don't know who it came from, but I think the story they, is there's a whole fan fiction thing of how this confrontation. They're lovers. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I, I will change the story. A little but bit. it's, but they do, they do voices. It's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Well, it is dramatic. It is dramatic. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one way to lighten it up. Yep. And then after, so back to the story, after the killings, supposedly the count, Feeds theories that the uh, the Swedish metal bands were to blame for Euronymous's killing, which of course is all bullshit. He's just trying to trying to divert the attention. All the stuff at the video rental place, and there was an ATM debacle. I guess the card he gave that dude to take card out of the ATM was the wrong card, so there was no ATM transaction for him to lean back on as an alibi. 
forgot to tell the count that little detail. Yeah, yeah, the count forgot to or game the wrong card. I think is what what it said. But okay. uh, and then his fingerprints all over the place basically lead to whole premeditation. This was planned kind of shit. So, so there was a CSI Norway. There must have been at this time. Yeah. yeah okay. Coming in coming in hot off the heels of the American success. Some folks say it was a self-defense thing. Some say it was over the royalties owed to the count. And some say it was the count's kind of move to gain dominance over the black circle. So no one really knows why he did it. A lot of theories out there. He gets arrested and sentenced to the max penalty for murder in Norway. 21 years. That's the max? That's the max penalty for murder in Norway, yeah. And I read something about the Norway prison system is is such that I mean their the level of reoffenders is very low. So I don't know if that means that the prisons are just that terrible, or if it's just a whole different mindset of okay, I did bad, I'm supposed to do good. I don't I don't know why, but the sentencing is crazy low numbers. Yeah, that's uh they're not used to criminal behavior. Yeah, that's what that tells me. Exactly. As a side note, the Blackthorn, the guy driving the car, he gets eight years for his involvement as well. From what I can tell, 2009, the Count gets released from prison, if the math is right. I've heard some stuff in, in what I was listening to. I think he's got like a YouTube channel or something. I really haven't watched any. I have no desire. But uh, <laughs> it seems like this guy's kind of gone maybe to a white supremacy thing. And I, yeah, it's that's... <laughs> Again, not watching it, not knowing anything about it. That's the understanding I have of it. Jump back a little bit. 1994, there is a record by Mayhem released called De Mysteries Dom Synthanus, which uh, features Euronymous on guitar, has a song on there with the lyrics penned by Dead, the lyrics from his suicide. And it is uh, noted as becoming one of the most influential black metal albums of all time. Now, there was a, a initial delay on the release due to complications made by Euronymous's parents as uh, the Count was playing bass on this particular record. And uh, after killing him, I guess the parents didn't want that release. So, oh, it's, yeah. Hellhammer was, was on the, the hunt to find somebody to play bass for it and in the end didn't. So, the recording is the Count playing bass, which is weird. Was this before he got this is, imprisoned? Uh, was it after the murder and before the imprisonment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In between, this is loud. The, the murder is August ninety three, and the album comes out in ninety four. So when did he go to prison? He went to prison after the murder in ninety three. How much but, time? But passed? this record was recorded previously. Oh, before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before all this goes down. So this is a this is a demo version of something sitting around before. And so after all this goes down, this album gets released a year later, and shit hits the fan. You can't put that record out with that dude that killed my son. Yeah, playing bass. Well, kind of, it's kind of like a Badland story with the their lead singer. Who was the lead singer? Bad Jackie Lee's Badland. Was it Ian Gillen or Ray uh, Gillen? Ray Gillen. Ray Gillen. Yeah, when he had contracted AIDS. Yeah, but continued to sleep with groupies. Right, and spreader, and then he died of AIDS, and that's the whole issue with the Badlands. Ray Gillen. I never knew albums. That. Yeah, they they refused to release those albums because of what Ray did wow. before he died. Yeah. Okay, Got along that lines. And although the member, there's a lot of members that have rotated in and out of Mayhem, but they're still making records. Like I said, they've had a recent release in 2019. Seems like a lot of live albums, which I applaud these guys for that. Doing a lot of live albums, they get that whole you don't want to hear the new shit, you want to hear the hits. So they just keep putting out live records. So I dig that. It works for Kiss. Yep. 
that is that's going to conclude how I understand the Norway church burnings of the 90s. Again, no idea why I'm fascinated with it. Just a bunch of dumb kids doing dumb shit that gets out of hand. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't I don't know what it is about this story, man. But it just it seems so unreal to be true. I wonder what David Caruso would have said when he oh, found Euronymous. Yeah, that, you know he he's always got that one line before he's put the shades yeah, on. That'd been badass. That'd been like, well, that's one dead goth. In the loft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. So I don't know if I have a playlist that I refer to that I drop a song into, probably, like I said, some sort of rock playlist or something. But I picked it because, to me, it seems to be the starting point, and I heard a lot of it doing the research on this and watching the stuff I did, so I guess that probably weighed heavily on it. Uh, but one thing I did discover is Spotify does have a Black Metal Essentials playlist. Essentials. Essentials. Wow. Yep. Which like uh, a multivitamin. Went through and listened to a couple of those tracks. Not bad if that's your thing or you're looking to dive into that world. That might, that <laughs> Not might bad be, that if might that's be, your thing. That might be a good starting point. Okay. Essentials. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's my story. That's the Norwegian church burnings. It's it's fascinated for years, continues to fascinate me for years. I, I got to look into this dead character you're dead, talking about. It's craziness. It's it's chaos. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I'm suddenly fascinated with Dead, the yeah. guy named Dead. Yeah, exactly. And see how he got the way. And there's, I skipped over is. a bunch. There's a bunch of other stories I had in here that I just skipped over because I was going on way too long anyway. But there's. Yeah, I'm sure everybody needs a bathroom break after that. It's nuts. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. All right. We're, uh, we're back from a break. Hey, Todd, before we carry on, I, I did look up a website called metalcallout.com. Okay. Is a death metal name generator. Oh, sweet. I pulled up mine first, and Jimmy Rainier, your death metal name is Inner Slaves. Inner Slaves. And yours is Rabid Magic. Rabid Magic. Rabid Magic. Nice. I actually... I'd, well, you know, it I, should be in, like, Nor, Nor, Norwegian, though. Yeah. You know, and, and I think I've talked about it before, I do have a, a running list of just made up band names that I thought would be badass. And I did have a death metal band name at one point. Intricate Punishment. Intricate? Intricate Punishment. Complex pun- Punishment? Very, very precise. Precise. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I like that Rabid Magic. Rabid Magic. I do like that Rabid Magic. Okay. All right. Well, good. Yeah. It's, uh, if you want to figure out what your death metal name is out there, there's a generator out there called MetalCallOut.com. There you go. For, our, for all your death metal name needs. All your death metal pleasure. Do not accept any substitutes. Okay, so we're moving on here. <laughs> Let's um, move on. We're leaving the uh, dark world uh, Todd talked about and moving on to an even darker world, a world of reality. Now, Todd, I've got a big half marathon coming up this Sunday morning. Okay. Um, flying out tomorrow. This it's getting this is going out Friday, so yep. tomorrow morning I'm flying out. This will be my first public race since this whole pandemic started all the races have been either canceled or postponed for the past year but this one held on to hope and it's happening this weekend it's the gettysburg half marathon and in my true ever-changing playlist fashion i needed to add songs about gettysburg into my runtime while i'm jogging past the fields where an estimated 51,000 soldiers saw their last day on earth I needed something to go along with that journey. Now, Todd, did you know they continued to find, you know, you, know, you were talking about death metal. Right. Uh, they continued to find bodies of soldiers in the outlying areas of the city all the way up to 1996. 
Really? Yeah. That's crazy. That's over 100 years of just finding bodies. Wow. You can see why there's a lot of ghost sightings that are reported there, if you believe in that kind of thing. The Battle of Antietam was the single bloodiest day of battle on American soil in our nation's history. Estimated 23,000 soldiers were killed there or wounded. But Gettysburg by far was the bloodiest battle in uh, on American soil. Uh, Civil War ranks number two in U.S. combat deaths, uh, just behind World War II. But when you add on non-combat-related deaths, bombing, suicides, and especially in Civil War's case, disease, you can add uh, WW1, WW2, American Revolution, Vietnam, Korea, Iraq, Afghanistan, which is still adding numbers. You can add all those combined and still not match the death count Civil War caused. Uh, they estimated for every soldier that died in combat, two died from their injuries. Medicine was in its infancy. Clara Barton was a nurse during the Civil War, and she was on site in Gettysburg. Uh, uh, saw the horror, all that had to deal with all the horrors of the injuries, and gained support for founding the American Red Cross as a result in 1881. Thank you, Clara. Clara Barton, thank you. Uh, but as far as music goes in this half Gettysburg half marathon, I knew... Uh, I knew I was going to add when Johnny comes marching home because that's a classic military song from the Civil War. But I also wanted to keep the Gettysburg theme going for the race and not make you suffer another episode of me talking about a song that came out when President Teddy Roosevelt was still in daycare. So I remember a metal album that hit the nail on the head for me that came out a few years back, and that's what I'm talking about today. There are many roots music folk music country music songs about the civil war many of them are anti-war in nature as they should be but there is one i found that's going to give me the hollywood feeling of being out there on that field fighting for my country and that is iced earth's 2004 trilogy on the gettysburg battle it's a epic long video todd was not ready for but it 31 minutes long 31 minutes long it comes off the glorious burden album it was released uh, january 12 2004 recorded at morris sound morris sound studios in tampa florida about halfway between the tampa zoo and bush gardens if you're ever in the neighborhood todd huge list of death metal albums have been recorded there from the likes of cannibal florida man What's that? Florida and Norway. I'm telling you, the, the goth of Mexico. Campbell Corpse, Morbid Angel, and Hulk Hogan's daughter, Brooke Hogan's dance pop album, About Us. That makes sense. It was produced by John Schaefer and Jim Morris. Jim Morris, the owner of Morris Sound Studios, along with his brother Tom. A little bit about the band Iced Earth, uh, like David Coverdale of Whitesnake and Kim Simmons of Savoy Brown. Ice Earth evolves around one consistent band member, and that member is guitarist slash principal band songwriter John Schaefer. Now, unfortunately, the Franklin, Indiana-born, Columbus, Indiana-living Mr. John Schaefer has has given the band Ice Earth a lot of publicity lately for his... uh, Antics? QAnon invasion, is that what we're calling it? Uh, of the D.C. Capitol back in January of this year. He has had to put the band's future on ice, get it, (laughs) iced earth, for his poor decision-making that led him to be on the FBI's most wanted list for six felony charges. Now, I got the six felony charges here, but you had an update you told me earlier I did. I saw that uh, I think he's pleaded guilty to two of them. See, the six felony charges were... 
knowingly entering or remaining in any restricted building or grounds without lawful lawful authority, disrupting the orderly conduct of government business, knowingly engaging in an act of physical violence against any person or property in a restricted building or grounds. I guess you know because you, you can't spray. I think he had bear spray. Bear with spray yeah, in the security face. That probably is number three reason. Number four reason, violent entry and disorderly conduct in the Capitol building. Number five, engage in an act of physical violence in the Capitol building. I don't know what the difference would be between four and five. And number six, parade, demonstrate, or picket in the Capitol building. So in a Capitol building seems to be the theme with a lot of these felony charges. He turned himself in a couple of weeks after the invasion. And it's still in prison today, as far as I know. Yeah, so yeah, I saw something not long ago saying, talking about how he's been there and hasn't been released on bail or anything. But like I said, it's, and it seems like the two charges, if I remember correctly, one of them had to do with the, the using the, the use of the bear spray. Right. And the other one was like kind of, I don't know which one it was, but it's more, it was more like more of a trespass thing. But it said, I mean, he could up to like 30 years. Yeah, it's, um, I hope he really believed in what he was doing because it's he's paying a hell of a price. Sounds like he did. Hell of a price. Yep. And I bet he wishes, oh, I wish we were under Norway's laws. That's right. Because he'd be gone. He'd be out next week. Yeah, six weeks. But before all the Schaefer's buffoonery, uh, you had a band, uh, like I said, designed much like White Snake, where one person was in control and the band's other musicians as a rotating door of higher guns. 30 former band members going back to its inception january 20th 1985 beat out white snake by one musician but still slightly less than the 65 former (laughs) members of savoy brown right savoy brown had a 20-year head start so i'm thinking they're well before his buffoonery they were on pace to break that record sure as far as the album my song comes off of this week, it's called, like I said, Glorious Burden. It's an epic 78-minute, 47-second concept album about random moments in military history like the American Revolution, World War One, the 9-11 attack, uh, Napoleon's defeat at Waterloo. But what commits the most runtime, like Todd said, and it's actually 31 minutes, 59 seconds to right. be exact. So, yeah is Ice Earth's heavy metal dedication to the three bloodiest combined days on U.S. soil, July 1st through July 3rd, 1863, and around, and it's all around the tiny southeastern Pennsylvania town of Gettysburg. I must say the production on my, on my song this week is fantastic. The song, this 32-minute epic, is broken down into three songs. Um, first one is called The Devil to Pay, July 1st, 1863 the second part is called hold at all cost july 2nd 1863 and the final song is high watermark july 3rd 1863 so a song for each day doing the play-by-play of the battle as it went down each of these days you got tim ripper owens on lead vocals fresh off his gig as the front man for judas priest yeah i uh, love the way they layer the lead and the backing vocals on day one of the trilogy the song the devil to pay uh they start out uh with the national anthem they open up the national anthem very fitting only for it to be cut off by the sound of cannon fire and then cavalry drums and then you dive into the main meat of the song uh, great flow in that in that trans in transitions between those three or four items there it is very symphonic yes yes not and, what not what you would expect from a 
metal band. Metal band. Like there's Eisters. a lot of symphony stuff going on. There's a reason for it. There, uh, when you throw, well, in in the middle of that devil to pay, the first section of the uh, the trilogy, um, they, they you know they throw in a metal guitar cover of when Johnny comes marching home in uh, while blending harmonies from the Prague Philharmonic Orchestra. Just brilliant. Schaefer and Morris did a great job blending the orchestra in throughout the entire trilogy. Fantastic work. Iron Maiden, eat your heart out. Second song, Hold at All Cost, opens up with uh, a Confederate soldier's diary talking about how his best friend joined the Union Army and how he told him the last time they saw each other that he wishes God strike him dead if he ever came face to face with him on the battlefield. Kind of channels the song Two Brothers, another fantastic song about the cost of the Civil War on a family divided. Uh, Todd, I think your buddy Chris Stapleton released a cover of it a few years ago. I kind of lean toward the acoustic version of Two Brothers, uh, like the Tammy Tucky slash Allie B. Almore, Almo version. But yeah, Chris Stapleton had a very studio-wise version of it. A lot of, you know, Civil War sounds happening, I guess, or... After the, I like that you call him my buddy. Like I know, well, you, like I know two him. got a picture together. Now that's Jamie Johnson. Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> All right. So after the um, diary intro, the song transitions back to day two of the Gettysburg Battle, where we have uh, Robert E. Lee looking for a way to finish off the Potomac Human Union Army here on the outskirts of Gettysburg. If Lee can win here, he has an open road to Washington, D.C., where he can force Lincoln into peace negotiations and recognize the Confederate States of America as a separate nation. He's got one army in his way from total victory of the war, and they just happen to land here in Gettysburg. There you go. As far as um, day two plays out, it's all about uh, Union General Dan Sickle. Crazy Dan, in hindsight, caused a lot of unneeded drama that day. Fun fact about General Dan... He General is Dan. General Dan. Uh, he locked Oscar, um, and he was the first person to ever use temporary insanity as a defense in a court case. No shit. Uh, old Uncle Dan killed his wife's boyfriend on the side, just outside the White House in D.C. in uh, Lafayette Square, which I think is just north of the White House, uh, and was put on trial for murder and pleaded in temporary insanity and won the case. There's an incredible amount of detail on how day two of the battle plays out, and the song covers quite a bit of it. Where day one was definitely a victory for the Confederates, killing Union General John Reynolds and driving the Union out of the town of Gettysburg and into the surrounding high country where uh, the Union had canyon reinforcements there to protect them. Day two was more or less considered a tie, and either side made headway but that would prove to be more costly for General Lee's army being, you know, he failed to break the fish hook defense that was high up on the ridge Union had this at the start of the day. Most of uh, General Lee's army is spent from all the actions. Interesting theory about his subordinate, General Longstreet. They kind of think, he, he was given orders. They, they attacked him one day one, and General Lee told Longstreet, as soon as we get sunlight again, you attack again. You go right up there and attack. Longstreet denied the order. Slept he, in. He, he ignored it. Didn't get going until the afternoon. By that time, Crazy Dam was already down closer trying to get right, yeah. a good shot in on him. And um, there, there's a lot of theory that if 
Longstreet would have listened to General Lee, they, they would easily would call them off guard. History would be different. There would be a Confederate States of America. There, you know, we would be a, a country divided. So was there a reason why was given that Longstreet didn't follow the orders as instructed? The conspiracy is, is that after the war, Longstreet moved to New Orleans, became a Republican when uh, General Grant, who was the head of the Union Army, uh, ran for president. He was one of his big campaigners. Oh, wow. Total and Republicans, Lincoln. I mean, Lincoln right. started the Republican Party, so he kind of switched his loyalty from the South so, after so the war. Potentially, somewhere along the way of this whole conflict, decides he may have been that way all along. He may have ignored Lee, oh, he been knowing a, that they oh, would have won. Yeah, I didn't thought about that. Yeah, I was thinking of terms of just in the middle of it. I don't like this anymore. I'm going to go to the other side. But you're saying he was a traitor. Ooh, and a high-ranking traitor, to say the least. So we continue on. We'll go to the final song here. High Watermark is the final section of my song today. Uh, this song starts out with a conversation between uh, Confederate commanding General Robert E. Lee and Confederate field general, like I said, General James Longstreet, about what would become known as Pickett's Charge that day on the third day of the war. In our song this week, Longstreet tries to convince Lee that, that no army can take the ridge the Union soldiers are defending with a mile walk across an open field, but Lee gives his orders to attack the center. But, unfortunately for Lee, commanding Union General George Meade outguessed Lee and pushed all his chips to the center attack point as well. So he's waiting on this to happen. He's probably the first Union general to outguess Robert Lee Lee during this entire war. Really? The Virginia Army that Robert Lee ran was undefeated. Was there, do you know, at that time, would there be a system of intel that would say, hey, in the previous three battles, this is how he did shit? There were engineers, there were field engineers on horses yeah. that uh, could see stuff happening, but intel was... If I mean, it would, it would be a he won a battle and somebody would have to ride all night to pass a message along kind of shit. It was probably the worst. Yeah. It really that's, that's destroyed what I'm, that's your what I'm chances. I'm curious about is, was it known that, hey, this is how he's won the last three battles or five battles or whatever. This is This is his tactic, and it gets back, and they can plan for it. Um, it seems like such a random... I mean, you said anticipated. It seems like a, a random move. Well, it's a, it's it's a more like probably a chess game because okay. um, Lee was focused on hitting the left and right flanks, not the center right. in day two. And the only thing that went wrong was that the sun went down. See, if Longstreet was started earlier, if the crack of dawn, right. if he'd attacked then rather than wait until the afternoon, the sun would have went down. Um, by the time it got dark, if they'd known just how close they were to overtaking the flanks, the left flank or the right flank, whichever the long stem of this fish hook defense yeah. they had. If they'd known how close they were taking over, they would continue fighting, but it got dark and there's just nothing you can do about it. So is, is it, was there some rule about not fighting? Well, you can't see dark? what you're shooting at. Well, I know, but you might end up shooting your own, you know, soldiers, your fellow soldiers. I, yeah. I don't know. It, it's chaos. in the dark. You. And you're talking 1863 sure. here. So yeah, yeah, you know, you're right. That that dis, that destroys. It just seems like a weird punch out. All right, we're done for now because it's dark. It's like it's like when you're a kid and you got to go home. You know, be you, you know, be you're home right. When the street lights come on. You're right, but it's 
But I, I mean, I get you it. Can't you carry can't carry a torch and shoot because no. they'll see you. are sure. Well, shoot the guy with the torch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not holding the torch. <laughs> no. Fuck that. You're crazy. Rock, paper, scissors, baby. You, I, you, no, not even that. I'm leaving. So, anyway, union's ready for it. Long story short, it's a, you know, Pickett's charge is a disaster. Like 50% of the 15,000 soldiers that march across this three quarter mile field end up dead. But the, the high watermark being was Confederate Brigadier General Lewis Armistead led his brigade to the farthest point uh, reached by the Confederate soldiers during Pickett's charge. That's, that's the high watermark they're talking about. And really the high watermark of the war because they get there, they hold it for five, 10 minutes praying that there's a backup coming support coming as reaching that point and they look back and there's nothing coming. So they have to surrender or die basically because yeah. it, it's it. it. The game's over and pretty much Gettysburg, the whole battle's over. Um, you know, and that's how the song ends. Pickett's charge was a disaster. And the song ends with a quote of Robert Lee, e. Lee admitting the shame of his mistake. Uh, Lee never wrote memoirs or neither did any of the surviving commanding officers. Uh, the world will never know for sure why Lee thought Pickett's charge was the best course of action. In my opinion, uneducated opinion. Based on your military experience. Based on my military experience, which is, uh, you know, tag guns and run through Halls Hill back in Princeton. Plastic guns, we're talking. I, I felt that he was running out of time. He had to make everything happen there in Gettysburg because, you know, like I said, Union General Ulysses S. Grant was marching in on Vicksburg. If he takes Vicksburg, he takes the Mississippi River. Uh, he takes a river. He knocks. He cuts the western part of the right. of the war off. And Lee needs. He's already gained support from a public standpoint that you know we need to get peace. This has been dragging out longer than we were promised. And if he could just get to D.C., that he, it's almost a lock that Lincoln would have to you know give in. Because up to that point, Lincoln's not talking to him, so he's got to force his way. He's got to force the the communication. That's right. That's yeah. right. And that's why he, he took the war out of Virginia and moved it up north to get to, you know, he wants yeah. to get to D.C., but this Potomac Union Army is in the way. I, and I think he's just, is you know, he put all his chips in yeah. on that moment and, and lost. That's my guess. But the Gettysburg's such a, there's so many stories about Gettysburg because no one really knows. It, it's interesting. And that's what, you know, I picked that for my half marathon. It, it's, um, there's a lot of stories and a lot I want to learn while I'm there, you know, see what they, it's, you know, these experts, uh, park rangers or whatever, just to get their angles on it. So when you're there for the, the marathon, will, will there be any visits to historical places to learn or are you planning oh, yeah. that into your trip? Absolutely. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to run, well, I'm going to jog past it. It seems like my vacations are turning into half marathons and, and stuff. Not to tell you how to do your business, but it almost seems like to me that, do you, do you know what the path is going to be that the marathon is? Yes, I do. Okay. Is is there anything that gives you like an indication of here's this landmark and here's that landmark where you can look it up so that as you're running by it, you have in your head what happened there or what was historically significant to it? The, uh, the, the 13-mile path I'm, I'll be on is going to be like most of the action happened south and southeast of okay. Gettysburg outside of town. This, this the most of the path is going to be like 
east and a little northeast. Mm-hmm. So I won't be going through like all the, the hotbed, not through the battlefield, the Pickett's Charge yeah. field and all that. Gotcha. But you know, afterwards, but there's surely some places of historical significance. Oh, all these locations, I want to see it. Like you can take, you can go with a park ranger and go across the field to Pickett. Pickett's charge happened. You can see oh, the ridge really? where the Union, no shit. you know, where, I mean, they preserved everything. That's awesome. Yeah. So you can, you can see what the soldiers saw that day. Right. That's the cool thing about Gettysburg. And it's been on my bucket list for a while. But that's nice. why I picked I Surf's Gettysburg. So is, is this three song epic? Is it going to be, will it be on your playlist as you're, oh, on repeat participating? Yeah. On repeat. Yeah. Nothing else but this? This is all you're listening to? I might mix it up. Well, you know, Rand, you know, I might have Hair of the Dog Nazareth on say, there. I Nazareth in there. Yeah, I'll, I'll crank that up okay. for sure. Just like, you know, just like you said. So, yeah, but it's 30 minutes. I, I figured, you know, I'd probably get done. I'm not the fastest jogger in the world. So, you know, two and a half hours, three hours, somewhere there. Is that what that would take you? Yeah, hours? so a, th- a good 30-minute song helps. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Man, but six times in a row? That's all I need. That's all I need to know. If I listen to six times, but I'll that's be That's a lot of listening to the same thing over and over. And over. I mean, I don't know. But you're in the place where they're singing I guess, about. I, yeah, you know? I guess you can get yeah. I don't know. I'd you, like I'd like for you to have a backup plan. Just If you case. went to Norway, you'd definitely crank some death metal. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But I don't know if I'd do it for the whole trip. I'd sprinkle something else in there. Right, I, keep it interesting. Well, to offset the darkness. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Because I get scared, man. Scared easy. Really? What Shit. scares you, Todd? The most? Ghosts. You got ghosts? You see ghosts? I don't see ghosts. You see dead I, people? But I'm scared. I'm gonna. You're scared. You're gonna. Yeah. That's I, why. I, I mean, just like that's. A, I don't. I was talking earlier about watch. I think I don't stuff like that, man. Give me a four o'clock sunny afternoon. Before I watch anything scary, there's nothing worse than like going into a movie theater to see some terrifying movie. You know, you you go in for that early showing and it's still light outside, and you come out and it's dark and there's three cars in the parking lot, and you just, uh, nope. I I kind of look at ghosts like they're just people. They're just people. And if they're in your house, you tell them to get the hell out. You just call it out loud. That's what you're supposed to do. Right, that's what they. Te- that's what they tell don't you. get scared. And speaking of ghosts, I've not, I've not mentioned this. I have got it on good authority that we locally have had uh, a case of uh, exorcism or uh, like a possession thing. I've caught in this story, really? and it's probably second, third hand. I don't know how many versions it's gone through, but locally here, supposedly, as I understand it, some woman who goes to a local church. Had some stuff going on, showing the behavior of somebody who's been possessed within a 10-mile radius. And uh, come to the story I got is come to find out her neighbor was playing with a Ouija board or something and supposedly released something. And she was like that poor mouse. And she got, she got hit with whatever and... Stigmata. Had to... <laughs> had, to had to do the, the whole ceremony to free her up. I heard about this some woman at some local church. That's pretty loose. I'm being loose because I don't know the exact details. Like I said, I'm getting this story second, third hand, but the source I got, and it's, it's pretty reliable. 
pretty reliable. Right. It's, 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 the, from per- a the person that's told me about it is not going to bring it from this. a friend that's, who yeah. I, heard the, it from my another. You're not, possessed by a demon. He's not going to bring it to my attention unless he believes it's happening. That's all I'm saying. Now, again, I'm not 100% it happened. I'm just passing along the info. But uh, <laughs> pass along it. But I've but I've heard stories of you know that whole you know the I think as I understand it the possession the the exorcists the priests that are trained in doing the exorcism and stuff it's a whole like I don't want to say secret society but I think it's pretty secretive I don't know that it's a hell of a vocation yeah but uh, as I under you know as I understand there was there was one priest at a church that people loved him loved him loved him and then all of a sudden he was on some sort of mission trip or something for a while and the thinking was he's He's in Rome getting trained up. The <laughs> local guy. The Christ compels you. Yeah. Yeah. Getting learning all that Latin. <laughs> a lot, man. You can't just, I mean, if it was just as easy as the Christ compels you and sprinkling salt around you. Everybody do it. Get birds. Little, get birds. Little sage. There's more to well, it. Now you're talking a little voodoo stuff, Eric. Going down Louisiana. Well, it's all it's all related. Anyway. What an what an epic long ass story day it's been today. Yeah, metal related. It's always going to be long and epic. Yeah, so I'm glad I got it off my chest. I more and more I'm becoming more interested in history of things. Yeah, I'm an uber nerd when it comes to history. Yeah, so I'm always looking for opportunities without yeah. dragging the podcast out for an hour or whatever. Yeah. So. All right. Well, this has been a nice long one looking at the the ticker on here. Yeah. This. Did we break the record? Depending on how this thing edits out, it may, it very, very well may. Yeah. I yeah. always say that, though, and it always comes in about the same. But this one, looking at the ticker, might be a little longer today. So if uh, if you stuck with us, thanks. Yeah. Appreciate it. Should we keep talking to break it? Stretch it, stretch it, stretch it. <laughs> if, you, uh, if you have any details that I've uh, misconstrued on my little story, please let us know. Every yeah. playlist tells a story at gmail.com. If you got any insight on... Jimmy's Gettysburg story. Or Todd's death metal murder or church burnings and murder. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, if you, if you get details I've I've gotten wrong on my little story, let me know. Uh, what's your attitude toward ghosts and exorcisms? I don't know. We, don't okay, we covered all of it. We, we've gone all over the place. Well, everything from Robert E. Lee to a guy named Dead. Yep. Yeah, all right. All right. Well, that's it for every player that tells a story, the podcast this week. Uh, if I don't see you before you run, good luck. Thank you. And uh, we'll be back to do it again after. 